This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Hey, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio thanking you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedules to tune in to another fantastic weekly episode of Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Another shout out of wholehearted gratitude to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald's corporate sponsors, Helton Honda, Forever, and Aha That. Your reviews, clicks, shares, downloads, feedback, and testimonials are always appreciated. Lisa's purpose and mission is to uplift you to fearless and to live more. To appear as a prospective guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald or to connect with Lisa regarding her suite of products and services, you can reach Lisa at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. So for now, hey, our fearless friends, here's Lisa Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so very much for joining me, rejoining me again on this lovely Friday morning. My name is Lisa McDonald, host of Living Fearlessly with the Contact Talk Radio Network. Listenership spans to 145 countries, 220 TV radio terrestrial satellites, and the potential for millions of iTunes downloads. Once again, we are joined by yet another phenomenal guest. My guest is a woman who I know personally, and I'm really honored to share with you today. Her name is Laura Cole. So who is Laura? Well, what I can tell you about Laura is that she is a solution-focused executive coach and mediator with a focus on fostering employee engagement and creating healthy workplace cultures through individual and group coaching leadership programs, and experiential learning, including the unique opportunity using equestrian-assisted learning. Laura is an international speaker and founder of the International Human Speaking Series, which reveals fundamentals of human nature that leaves the audience with practical and inspiring engagement and collaboration strategies. Laura is the founder of Your Latitude, and a business professor at one of the leading colleges in Ontario, Canada. Laura, welcome to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald, my friend. How are you? Thank you so much, Lisa. I am wonderful. It's wonderful to be here with you this morning. Well, it is wonderful that you're here because we've talked about this for quite some time in the background. And what I want the listening audience to know, just to give some reference to you, is I had the honor and the privilege of meeting you at Mohawk College, where you work, uh, part -hmm. of what you do. And you so graciously took an interest in my children's books. You bought the children's books. And uh, I just loved your synergy, loved your energy. And then we just continuously kept the relationship going, which hence brings you to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald on the radio airwaves. So I just want to say thank you for all your support. I want to say thank you for continuously paying it forward and being of service to the collective because what you're doing in the space is absolutely important, but it's also very much appreciated. Well, thank you very much. My daughter and my niece and nephew loved the books, so that was great. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. That's nice feedback. I appreciate that. So I want to to start because everybody who follows this program knows this is very unscripted, organic conversation. I think it makes for a much more authentic discussion. So Mm -hmm. I want to start off by saying I absolutely love the fact that you refer to yourself as a solution-focused executive coach, Laura, because... Oftentimes, as you and I would both know, and many of the people tuning in today, that the human condition often tends to be preoccupied with uh, those who are problem-saturated with that kind of mindset. So what I'd be interested to know to start off is, in your experience and with your level of expertise, why do you, what do you attribute that to? Uh, great question. And, and I love that, um, that you actually noticed that I refer to myself as a solution-focused coach. I do see that as being very different than a problem-based approach. Mm -hmm. And the reason I actually include that is because I spent over 10 years practicing in a root root cause analysis model um, because that's how I was originally trained. And interestingly, that's what most people think that we need to do in order to reach a solution is first uh, solve a problem. So I wonder if if it's more of a performative expectation of when you want a solution, the first step is to find a problem. Um, 
And that's not the case. And so luckily with Solution Focus, which is relatively new, um, we have this alternative. And uh, so I find as well, as soon as I begin asking the Solution Focus questions, clients answer them readily. So I don't believe, to answer your question, I don't believe people want to necessarily talk about the problem first. I think mm-hmm. that they may believe that's the only way to do it. Well, and, and historically, that's always been the intervention or that's always been the approach. And so, like yourself, I wholeheartedly subscribe to the whole notion uh, and the approach of solution-focused-based uh, model because, you know, and I say this quite often, and I know that you and I are in alignment with this, you know, what you tend to put your attention on grows stronger. And so if what brings you to the table in the first place is that you're trying to eradicate a problem, which I believe is usually uh, underscored within fear, that's what Mm -hmm. keeps people immobilized and stuck, then what you're doing is you're oversaturating the problem that brought people there in the first place instead of like really getting strategic and really putting the emphasis and the focus on being positive, being strategy oriented, being solution focused. So I love the example that you brought up with me when we had the opportunity to meet for coffee and you had told me about a professional experience. You had been called in to do some work with a team and you were looking at their performance appraisal type thing and you were asking people, I believe, and I don't want to say too much because I want to give you the opportunity to talk more about that. Sure. Um, yeah. yeah, you know what I'm talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'll let you take it from here. Okay. <laughs> well, oftentimes in performance uh, reviews, it's very common to look at the types of things that um, managers are asking frontline staff or employees to uh, to change or to fix. And I often say that uh, the absence of a problem is not the same as having a solution. Mm. And so to to ask an employee to stop doing something um, doesn't replace it with anything. And so we often find after a performance review, first of all, they're so awkward to give. And I, and I have that conversation with managers all the time that they just avoid performance reviews. They're so awkward um, and uncomfortable and then don't actually produce any results. Right. and so I think to myself, then why are we doing this? <laughs> and you know, you don't want to give it and your employees get nothing out of it. So switching it to a more um, solution-focused approach in performative conversations, you actually replace that with where, what do you want more of? And what difference would that make? And what's already working in that direction? And what a beautiful conversation to have. It not only helps your staff reach that potential you're you're asking them to reach towards, but you're actually building a relationship with them based on trust and compassion. And what a difference that could make for our workplace. Absolutely. Absolutely, Laura. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not mistaken, too, I love the feedback that you were getting from the people who participated in that because they were expecting going into that with probably years of experience of, okay, this is the way it's going to go and this is standard and, oh, my gosh, we're going to get raked over the coals for this because we're deficient as a team or as an agency in this particular area. But when you introduced it with the solution-based approach, you started to notice a difference in terms of body language, receptivity, people openly being engaging to participating in the dialogue, which in those situations is not normally the case. And you and I both know as well, as somebody who once upon a time did have to issue performance appraisals uh, under the old model, you know, you could say 99% somebody's doing extremely well or the agency as a whole is operating, uh, you know, above par but what is it that people tend to walk away and fixate on? It's the one area where you've indicated or cited that growth is is crucial or necessary. And then the whole process gets thrown under the bus, right? Absolutely. And, you know, there's that human instinct to focus on what is wrong and fix it. Yes. And, uh, you know, and I've often, I I have just honored that that is real. And I often speak with my my clients about that. And I honor with them that, that is a natural human instinct. It's based on survival. 
So, you know, our, our survival instincts in our mind tells us that we must find the thing that's the threat and eradicate the threat. And that's just, you know, ingrained in our, in our, in our minds. And so we can stop kind of beating ourselves up about why is it that we are so fixated on negativity? Mm. We can actually just stop asking ourselves that question because that it doesn't that isn't that the loop that's you know we're focusing on the thing we do wrong so let's you know give ourselves the benefit of the doubt acknowledge and honor that that is a very natural instinct and then stop worrying about it and then move past that and say what's next and the next is um what's your hope Mm. what do you want instead what difference would that make for you what's Mm -hmm. already working in that direction? And then what would be that next step uh, as a sign of progress? And then, you know, you've, you've honored the threat, but you've decided not to focus on it. And you've decided not to use that as your beacon. And Mm -hmm. you've reoriented your focus. And now you are looking into your best hopes. And that's really the solution focused process. Bingo. And I love Mm -hmm. it. And the thing is, too, when you're looking at what your position or your role as a facilitator in the, the hat that you wear as being a coach, the last thing you want to do is implement a counterintuitive process, which reinforces the problem in the first place, which is being problem saturated, right? (laughs) Oh, absolutely. And, you know, if I can build on that, Lisa, um, I often, a good number of my clients uh, arrive with me through HR. So they've possibly been put onto a performance improvement plan. And mm-hmm. often by the time HR asks me to intervene, they're kind of at that point where it's, you know, it's, it's, if this works, it's great. If it's not, you know, we might have to make some pretty serious decisions here. And, and essentially their job is on the line. Mm-hmm. So when they meet me, they are full of all of that. They have all of that anxiety in their mind, not to mention the fact of all the events that's possibly led to that moment. And there could be some shame involved in that. Absolutely. As a solution-focused practitioner, I don't have to ask about it. It's so beautiful. We can sit and have these very solution-focused conversations, very productive and active conversations. And not once do I have to inquire about what brought us to that moment. Mm -hmm. And it's such a compassionate approach. It leaves all of that shame and insecurity and fear outside of the conversation. And it's so beautiful to, to participate in. Wonderful. Well, what I love about it too, Laura, is it's very momentum based, right? So when Mm -hmm. somebody steps into interfacing with you, working with you, because that is your approach, because that is your style, and because you're so far removed from the problem, it's very clear what the problem is, but now you want to put distance between the problem and the result that one is aspiring to get to. So because that's your... Because that's your style, you're always incrementally, if not momentously, moving forward in the trajectory of where it is the person wants to projectively go. And you're facilitating that. So then they become, once they start to look at the barometer of measuring their own success and their growth and their development, they are miles and eons away from what brought them to you in the first place because of the fact it's solution-based. Absolutely. Wow. That is just so beautifully said. And funny enough, two of the the, um, key solution-focused questions are designed exactly around that momentum building. So one of them is, um, what is the next sign of progress? Mm. And so right away, don't you feel that? As soon as I ask you that question, your whole body almost responds to it and your shoulders move forward. It's this beautiful physical reaction. And then the next question is actually, what else? Mm. And it's such a simple question, but it's so beautifully put. You just, you know, what else would be a sign? What else would be a sign? And you you keep saying that until they run out. And then I often might even say, okay, one more just for fun. And it just keeps them in that space long enough that they can actually believe it for themselves. 
Love it. Well, what I love about that too, Laura, it's it's very much an accountability piece without them feeling like they're being raked over the coals or that there's this divisive, divisive hierarchy of I'm, I'm with Laura right now because Laura knows all the answers. You're actually getting them to tap into the solution themselves through you facilitating the process. And so yes. not only is that empowering, uh, but as you said, yes, it does change your whole physiology. It does change your whole mindset. Now it's like, I'm inspired. I don't feel like I'm being uh, ostracized. I don't feel like I'm being looked upon as the deficit for the problem that brought me here to Laura in the first place. We're talking about strengths. We're talking about strategies. And who doesn't get jazzed up by that? Yes, absolutely. And it's so interesting. This one manager um, that I'm actually working with right now uh, in our very first session about a month ago, he said at the end of our conversation was about 45 minutes. At the end, he said, you know, I couldn't help but notice you never asked me why I'm here. Mm. And I said, well, I asked you what your hope is when you're done being here. And I said, by the way, you know, um, would it have been helpful if I asked you uh, all the events that brought us to this moment and I asked you about what was in your performance improvement plan, would that have been helpful? Mm-hmm. And he paused for a moment and said, actually, no, <laughs> I am really tired of talking about all of those things. I am ready to put them behind me. And I said, wonderful, let's let's get going here. Awesome. And so isn't that interesting? And I, yes. I go back to this idea of performative expectations. He assumed that I would want to know all of his dirty laundry and that we would need to know it. And if I can loop back to something you said earlier, Lisa, I find that really, really uh, important when you had said that, you know, we're tapping into their, um, their strengths and they're finding the solution. And that's exactly it. Mm-hmm. That as a solution focused coach, the reason I don't need to know all about their dirty laundry and all the backwards conversation is because the solution doesn't rest with me. The solution rests with them. Absolutely. And they already know. (laughs) They already know. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, it's completely transformed my practice. And more than that, it's, it's completely transformed um, the clients I work with. It's, it's been an absolutely amazing uh, journey to, to be invited into these conversations with them and seeing such progress so quickly. Mm hmm. Well, what I'm going to say here, Laura, what I love about you and what I love about your bio, um, because, you know, having done this for four years, I've interviewed uh, countless coaches, mentors, people who are in the space, but I'm always very apt to pay attention to how somebody characterizes themselves when I'm reading the bio. And I have to say what makes you stand out and what reinforces through this conversation piece that you truly are integral, you really are transparent, uh, you really are truly walking your talk is the language, the verbiage. So somebody who is as conscientious as they would be with their actual clients during a session, that comes through and transforms even in just the bio and how you read on paper. Because I hear a lot of people saying the same thing um, and it becomes lost in translation because it's just so second nature to speak certain ways. But, you know, I love solutions in there. You know, I love the fact and I want to talk about and highlight a little bit more uh, from you, Laura, when you say that you're the founder of your latitude, right? A lot of people use mm-hmm. the word attitude, right? Attitude. Ah. Yes, attitude is very, there's a strong correlation between attitude and mindset, as we know, in this particular realm of business. Um, but the fact that you said latitude, which makes you again, stand out, and it makes everything that you're doing, even if we're in an oversaturated industry, stand out. Let's talk about that title. Let's talk about your brand because it's beautiful mm-hmm. and it, it, it says you. it all. Thank you. Well, first of all, thank you so much, Lisa. That means a great deal to me and I'm very, very grateful for your for your comments. Um, so Latitude really came about, I, I really wanted to create a space where professionals had an opportunity to very um, intentionally and safely explore what it might look like if they were not, you know, kept down by by 
barriers. And Mm -hmm. when I got thinking about that, I thought, well, really, it's their latitude. They're looking for their own latitude. Mm -hmm. And so it just hit me perfectly that this isn't about me, although I could be a conduit. It's about them and their goals and, and their latitude. And so I just thought immediately your latitude, not mine, yours. And, and so it just fell into place so beautifully. And, um, and I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that it speaks right away to what my hope is. Yeah, it does. It speaks volumes because, you know, again, verbiage is so pivotal in terms of deriving the types of results we say we want, whether it be the result from us as the coach or the result for the people who are signing up to be coached by us. And so when we're talking about being immersed in the realm of personal growth, personal development, hence self-empowerment, the fact that you said your it does. Put a, it puts a level of responsibility and accountability back on the person in a way that's very respectful and in a way that is very, uh, again, solution oriented. And it, 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 again, it gets people fired up because it's like, yeah, you know, if we're the creator of our own journey, why would it not be referenced as my latitude, hence your latitude? So mm-hmm. I think I think the way you've strategically outlined this and made the messaging so succinct without a lot of words being necessary because the message is already implied and you back that up with your actual approach. Uh, I think that's brilliant. I think what you've done is brilliant. Oh, thank you so much, Lisa. I really appreciate that. Well, branding is important, right? I mean, you know, and not just for branding sake, but it's a hallmark. It's a signature that's unique to you in a way that makes you stand out from everybody else who can get an initial consult uh, or, you know, can be in the Rolodex of referrals or whatnot. Um, So I, you know, because we also write, we blog, we do all these wonderful things. I'm always paying attention first and foremost before I look at somebody's job description or somebody's... uh, anything to do with what they do, I look at how do they sell themselves? How do they sell themselves and and what language are they choosing consciously to represent and make it indicative of what they do? And I think you've mastered that beautifully. Oh, well, cheers to you, Lisa. Thank you so much. Well, yeah. I mean that sincerely. I've I've never talked about someone's branding as much as I have with you, but but <laughs> But it's true. I think that's why you and I connected as well as we do. And I think that's why we lose track of time every time we talk, because it's not just being, uh, you know, it's not just the attractor factor of Vibe Attracts Tribe, but I, I just love how you so uniquely stand out in an oversaturated industry because of a few conscientious ways in which you have marketed yourself. Marketing is so important. I think you've done it really well. Thank you. So let's talk about what's upcoming on the calendar. And I want to give you also throughout the course of this interview, Laura, an opportunity knowing this is global for people Mm -hmm. who want to connect with you, uh, people who want an initial consult, for people who are interested in recruiting you for their company or on an individual basis. Let's talk a little bit about what that process looks like from the initial call to how things in some cases, and we know it's different for each group or each person. But can you give us a bit of a, a picture, a visual for what that looks like? Yes, absolutely. So um, there's several different ways that um, people typically come to me. Um, sometimes a, a lot of my my business actually, to be honest, is based in referrals. Um, almost all of my work comes from uh, someone has has sent my information to somebody else and uh, which is lovely. I'm so grateful for all the referrals I get. And mm-hmm. I would say most of my business is, is uh, through referral based. Um, but certainly um, through my website or through social media, I love hearing from new people to say, and typically they have something on their mind, right? Typically mm-hmm. they either have a performance review coming up or they have a big presentation and they're nervous about it or you know, they're wanting that new promotion and haven't, you know, haven't got it yet. There's typically something on their mind. So at first I would, I would ask, you know, what's on your mind? What, what are you thinking about? And then they, um, they could reach me through, through my website or through social media. And then we would have a a conversation uh, over the phone or Mm -hmm. if they're local meet in person, just to make sure there's a good fit. I believe that for coaching, especially there needs to be a fit. Mm-hmm. And 
um, there needs to be that, you know, that synergy that happens. And so, absolutely, yeah. And so before we make any commitments to each other, I always have um, a conversation to make sure that that's a great fit. And then, and then we go from there, whether it's individual coaching um, and that I have clients internationally. And so internet um, coaching can be done through Skype. There's so many beautiful ways to do that. And so it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, one-on-one mm-hmm. in person um, or if it's mediations or, or facilitating group conversations, you know, we design it together. And again, you know, if we speak back to the brand that you were talking about, I don't, I have, you know, basic ideas of different programs, but everything I do is built um, in connection with, with my client. And mm-hmm. so there, it's a very collaborative approach so that, you know, when I'm gone and, and then they're expected to then implement the, the work we did together, they can because they helped design it. So, you know, there's that initial conversation and then the design and then the implementation. Lovely, lovely. Mm -hmm. And so let's talk about you as the coach and somebody who would be very conscious and conscientious about being and remaining solution focused. So how do you solution focus yourself into your own growth as a coach? Oh, wow. What a great question. Um, I'll, I'll go back to the the four main questions of solution focused. And mm-hmm. what's interesting about them is that you can do this for yourself. And so you don't need um, necessarily another person to ask these for you. And so when I think about my business, I ask myself, what's my best hope for this business? You know, after clients work with me and after they have experienced your latitude, what do I hope for them? Mm-hmm. And then when I have that clear picture in my mind, my next question is, what difference would that make for them? And then I can make sure that any type of coaching intervention I suggest or any types of facilitating that I'm suggesting will meet those goals. So I have a hope for them. I have clearly identified for myself what that difference would make. And then I ask myself, well, what's already working in that direction? Mm-hmm. And so then you're not building um, a coaching plan or a facilitating plan that um, won't have that momentum piece in it, building on what's already working and then moving forward. And so when I look at my business, I say to myself, what's already working in order to help more people around the world get those hopes? And so then I think, OK, so this is working really well. That's working really well. And then in terms of like growth, I would ask myself, what would be the next sign of progress? What would be that next thing that would tell me I am reaching more and more people to help generate that idea of hope? Mm-hmm. And it's this, Lisa, this conversation right now is my my next <laughs> step of progress. <laughs> so I have to say it's working. Fantastic. Well, it clearly, clearly is in so many aspects of your life because, you know, you're a diversified fifth dimensional person. You're not one dimensional um, and you're ahead of the curve. Now, I often with my guests, I have a tendency and I do this with myself in terms of measuring my own growth. Can we play devil's advocate for one moment? Absolutely. Okay, so because I'm very, uh, you know, we're in the world of words, we're in the world of self-talk, how we dialogue with ourselves and looking at the power in the words that we choose to use. Now, I've interviewed many people extensively, even before I became a radio show host uh, and, you know, did the performance appraisals and interface with people. And there's a lot of people in the space. I mean, top tier people. I mean, Deepak Chopra, a lot of people use the word hope. Now, some people would arguably say hope isn't really all that deliberate. It's not all that intentional. Some people would argue, and it's been said, although some people are a stickler and they're staunch and they're they're very attached to the word, and I don't mean attachment in a, you know, a whatever word. I mean mm-hmm. like in an empowering way. Uh, but some people would say, you know, is, is hope really a strong word? Does it have compelling conviction um, or does it still have that window of, wishy-washiness or giving people an exit route to not fulfill what it is they deliberately set their intentions on. So let's, can we talk, can we talk about the word hope? I I would love to. And um, 
I, I love what you're saying. And I think that's why um, the four main solution focused questions, the mm-hmm. second question, I think grounds the hope because I, I believe that you're right. Um, and that what I think the word hope does, and in, in, in fact, there's a great conversation in the solution focused industry around that word hope, funny enough, Lisa. Yeah, there is. Some, yeah, some practitioners are actually not comfortable using the word hope. Mm-hmm. And so um, another way to say the same thing might be, you know, what um, if you tomorrow after our conversation, how would you know that this conversation was useful? It's another way of saying trying to just it's an orientation of the curiosity. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I think that you're you're absolutely onto something. And so, when we ask the best hope question, the follow up question is, "What difference would that make?" Mm-hmm. And that's where we actually start seeing this idea of hope that might be too fluffy or too abstract. Mm-hmm. By asking the question, "What difference would that make?" gives brings it back down into our real world and makes it turns it into concrete actionables the idea of making sure we have action first not just feelings Mm -hmm. Um, actions will help to create the feelings but we want to talk about the actions as opposed to the feelings so the difference between hope and the difference Um, I think you're absolutely right on about that well, and I like, I, I really appreciate the fact that you brought it back full circle to saying that, you know, in the way in which you implement this, there are other going forward questions to substantiate the level of accountability. And of course, we know you have to back up anything in terms of achieving the results, the desired results, it's taking massive action. So I appreciate that you got mm-hmm. that word in there because some people would arguably, without you having mentioned that, say, you know, there's not really a connect or there's seemingly perceivably a disconnect between hope and action because action is you're just doing it. You're doing it regardless of how you feel. You're showing up. It doesn't matter your mood or your external circumstance. You're committed. You're all in and you're you're going to hold yourself accountable. Hope sometimes to some people, it's like, well, if some somebody comes in and saves me, or if somebody comes in and and provides me all the tools in my toolbox, then I might get inspired to take action, right? Oh, yeah. Yep, definitely. And, and um, I'm so grateful you gave the space to clarify that because solution focused is absolutely an action based practice. And, um, the hope question is about orientation. So it sets up the expectation that I'm not going to be asking about the problem that brought us here. Mm-hmm. Instead, we want to look for the exceptions to the problem. So the times when the problem doesn't exist and what impact that could have on designing the goals. So essentially the hope word could be could be used as a goal setting word. And mm-hmm. as I've said, there are many practitioners who don't use the word hope in their Mm -hmm. opening statement Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. that reason. Well, and there's no judgment here. I just, because I've used it interchangeably and I've used other words interchangeably, but I I just want to make sure because this is a global listening audience, I want to make sure that for people who are of that elk in that mindset, that that doesn't potentially lose people because I wanted to give you an opportunity to extrapolate exactly the bigger picture here as it applies to solution focused coaching. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. It's a very much an action. And in fact, there's um, a whole section of questioning around scaling questions to design those next steps of progress. What are you going to be doing differently? What might others notice you doing? And so it is very action based. Mm hmm. Well, let me ask you this too, Laura, because as somebody who is a visionary and somebody who is as creative and as solution focused as what you are, in addition to being successful in all your accolades uh, and level of expertise, um, you know, people like you aren't just, you know, it doesn't just happen. You've invested a lot of work uh, into your own growth. You have gone inside recognizing that this is an inner journey. So you being committed to the work makes the results of what you're now able to do in terms of anchoring other people up and assisting them with their journey and the trajectory of where they're going even possible. So 
what would be some of your mantras or some of your rituals or proclamations or declarations or the way in which you strategically uh, govern your day to make who you are be who you are and stay true to you and going forward? Oh, what a great question. Um, I've become very, very aware of stories and the stories that we tell ourselves. Mm. And, um, and so my, my big thing I ask myself as I get up is, um, you know, and as I interact with people, I, I wonder what, what piece of their story am I a part of? And if they were to write a story, and I was in their story somehow, how would they describe me? And how would they describe our interaction? Love and I, it. Yeah, and I become very intentional about that. And um, so I, I keep that front of mind constantly. Um, what do I want my story to be? Mm. And I became very aware that I can actually impact that. I, I am the writer. And what a funny thing to say. And yet I wonder how many of us actually intentionally know that, mm-hmm. that we are writing that story. And so yes. I'll either say to myself, um, wow, you know, you're writing this story. You go, girl. Or I'll say, <laughs> you know, or I'll say, I'm not sure I I, I want this in my story. I'm going to rewrite that. And like, I'll use that verbiage with myself. And I find it very, very helpful to, to do that. And so I often actually use that with my, with my clients as well and, and remind them, you know, if, if someone was writing a story about you as a manager, what would you want them to say? Mm-hmm. And it takes them away from the performative leadership, um, or the expectations of being a performative leader to being an intentional leader. I absolutely love that answer. And I love that answer for a whole myriad of reasons that just simultaneously came to me. So I'll see if I can hold this thought and get it all off. Um, so I love that because for you to be the real deal, for anybody to be the real deal in the realm of coaching means you have to constantly have that ongoing level of introspection and understanding that the role that you play in facilitating people's journey uh, or the way that they then start to see themselves in a more positive light or start to tap into their potential or their own growth or development, uh, that means you're really paying attention to your audience, your demographic, your client, whether it be group uh, oriented or individually based. And so the fact that you're, because to me, this is part of legacy as well, right? It's not, it's not at the end of your life. How will I be remembered? I will likely be remembered based on what it is I commit to doing every single day. And for people and for people like us who are very committed uh, and are cognizant and mindful of showing up and being the most best improved version of ourselves every single day, that can only come from what you've described as a barometer of going deep within and going, okay, I'm fulfilling a role here. It is very important for the role that I'm fulfilling in this person's journey and the level of trust that goes into that uh, and really embodying all the characteristics and qualities that a coach should in terms of being uh, congruent and walking their talk, you know, I can't afford to hinder this person or, or, you know, I I have Mm -hmm. to be responsible, which means that level of introspection and really going, okay, well, how would I want to be remembered in the story of the juncture of this person? You know, Mm. I I love that answer, Laura. I mean, that's, that speaks volumes about who you are. Well, thank you again. And I I think it it places ownership right in your own lap. And I was, um, I was in a mediation last week and one of the parties, you know, and this is understandable as a human, we like to put blame outside of ourselves. And one of the parties was saying, well, that's because the CEO did this or that, or that's because our processes look like this or that, or that's because, and, you know, and that's understandable. And then I challenged them and I said, you know, if I was, you know, in this mediation and I was trying to find a solution, I would want to make sure that I had a piece of this story. Mm. Because if I don't, if if it's true what, what you're saying, that it's because of the CEO and because of the processes, then unfortunately, you have absolutely no control over your future. Yes. Bingo. Wouldn't, yeah. And I looked at him and I said, wouldn't you rather this was because of you? Because then you could fix it. <laughs> Love it. 
And it was just, it was such a beautiful moment. And I believe I was able to say that with sincere compassion because I myself have lived that. I myself have looked around and said, well, that must be because of this or that or that circumstance. So ho-hum for me. And, And then I, you know, once you realize you own your story, there's no blame there. It's not about blame. It is actually about future because if I own my story, then I can rewrite it. Yeah, but if it belongs to everybody else, then too many people have control over your future. So absolutely, take it back, take back that ownership, so that you can rewrite the ending of the story. And that was a major turning point in that mediation. And I'm grateful that I had the intuition to say it, and I am grateful that he was willing to hear it. Well, what an aha moment. I mean, clearly, if I was on the receiving end of that question being posed to me and it being turned on its head, where it does assume ownership and I've got to speak to that, uh, which I absolutely love that because now you're kind of indirectly referencing the work of Byron Katie. And Byron Katie always says and challenges each of us to go, is that true? Is that true? Is that really true? You know, because we can, can we can talk ourselves into things just as easily as we can talk ourselves out of things. And we can we can keep that script and that monologue going on in our head over and over, which it can hinder us or it can propel us. It cannot serve us or it can serve us. And if we're not prepared to question our own BS and challenge our own BS and our myths and our concepts and things that have been indoctrinated into the way that we still chosen in some cases to hold on to because it's been habit forming, uh, those kinds of questions posed by people like you, Laura, I mean, that that's a game changer. Well, I love that you, that's exactly what he said. He said, wow, that was a game changer. Get out. <laughs> not even kidding and I actually I actually posted that on my Instagram um right after that I actually posted his quote on my Instagram and it says right on there game changer because I believe that it was and so often I find myself I'm now posting um different quotes like that from the clients because again it's about them and these aha moments and I love witnessing these aha moments. So now I'm sharing those uh, on my Instagram, the different ahas that different clients are having. And um, I'm grateful to, to be able to share those. Beautiful. Well, and I know that these are, are, are intangibly, tangibly, they're aha moments for you as well. Because any aha moment that your client has that brings you into the awareness of having had as a result of something you've done or said or challenged them to think differently about. But what are what are your, I mean, because people who are going vertical, people who scale and leverage fast, it's like boom, bang, boom, bang, boom, bang. And it, it can be electrifying at times. So what are you finding in while being and remaining in the flow and operating at your highest vibrational level, what are some of your continuous aha moments within yourself? Oh, what a, that's, that's wonderful. I, you know, it's so humbling. I have a continual aha moment that says, are you really doing this? This is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) And I actually just said that to a girlfriend the other night over wine. I said to her, you know, you know how you're you're a person and you feel yourself as a person and she's like yeah (laughs) and I'm like but there's these moments through my life where I say oh my gosh I am so I'm creating I Mm -hmm. it's it's working and it's happening around me and I'm and I am vibrating at this level and to me that is a continuous aha moment that that is that is the landscape that I play in and it's it's marvelous well and why that would be surreal but it would also be reaffirming is because when you're doing again that self-diagnosis or putting the microscope on yourself what you've just described or at least my takeaway from what you've said my level of interpretation is that you're looking upon yourself from the energetic vibrational level not the human form level Oh yes, absolutely. Right? When we absolutely. start to, when we when we start to see ourselves as human beings, then we see all the things that impede human beings including ourselves. Then we start to see things in one-dimensional thinking, but when you start to really analyze yourself 
and dissect yourself through the lens of energy and through vibration, wow, do you ever get out of your way quick? Yeah. Oh, I love how you just said that. You get out of your way. I have often actually said that to myself. Mm -hmm. Get out of the way. (laughs) Yes. I've said that exact sentence to myself, get out of the way. It's where it's going, let it go. And you can feel it just move, 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 move. And you you find yourself in a, in a very beautiful space there. Well, you do because people who are tapped into momentous rapid growth, you understand that there's a, there's a symbiotic balance between you can only embrace that which you want at the same time that you're simultaneously relinquishing the, the things that you don't, that no longer serve you. You've got to actually invite what you want in with the space allocated to afford it to come in, which means you've got to disperse and dispense of all the other stuff that's weighing you down. Well, I love how you said if it's no longer serving you, because I often will use that question in my mediations, um, essentially the opportunity cost of conflict, if we want to use a very economic perspective, you know, while you are holding on to this conflict, what is that costing you? Yes. And is it serving you? And, And often people believe that it is serving them until they begin to think about what difference it would make if it was not. And that can be a a really uh, powerful uh, space just to explore. Uh, And there's no commitment yet, just explore it. And then often they will realize it's no longer serving them and that the cost of of pretending that it is, is Mm. no longer, um, you know, a cost they're willing to pay. Absolutely. Well, you know, we're, we're always as human species, we're subconsciously holding on to the things without recognizing to the degree that we consistently do that, and not understanding that a lot of what we choose to hold on to is the dead weight are the things that we need to expend from our lives. Uh, We need to eradicate, we need to get rid of because these things are generally formed right from birth all the way up, right? Mm-hmm. Whether, it be based, whether it be the blueprint that's been embedded into our minds based on other people's ideologies, other people's philosophies, other ways people you know, choose to discern between right and wrong, people who are black and white thinking as opposed to gray thinking or abstract thinking. Um, and if that's all you know, or these are the people who have been your family members, or it's been your church, or it's been religion, or it's been community, or it's been academia, or whatever the case may be, you get to a point where I think sometimes people forget, you know what? Oh, yeah, I'm an adult now. I can actually challenge these these concepts and beliefs, and I can question to what degree they no longer serve me, because people who are committed to growth and development will never be the same person they were 15 minutes ago. Absolutely. And I am I am very excited that I've been partnering with um, a ranch in southern Ontario to bring a, um, equine assisted learning to that exact space of transformation. So this ranch uses the 16 guidelines for develop, developing compassion and wisdom. Awesome. Um, yeah. And so together with those 16 guidelines on, you know, how to translate how we think, how we act, how we create meaning and how we relate to others. We actually use that platform with the horses and mm. um, provide these really experiential opportunities to to invite someone to transform. Because I think there's there's two different steps there, isn't there? There's the recognizing that it's possible mm. um, and then knowing how to do it. And And I wonder if some people find themselves at that precipice where they say, yeah, you know, I, I, this is no longer useful. I can transform, but maybe they don't have an arena to give that a go. And mm, not that one, metaphor. Yeah. And so with these, uh, with the horses, we, we can have this experience of letting go and transforming and um, using the 16 guidelines has, has been very supportive for that. Fantastic. Is that circle square ranch? No, it's uh, Sierra Acres, just outside of uh, Guelph, between Guelph and Burlington. Fantastic. Just outside of Toronto. Yeah. So they, um, it's been, it's been wonderful. I've done quite a bit of work with them and uh, always look forward to going back and seeing the horses, love being around them. 
Congratulations. Well, Thank it's you. interesting because, see, another word that you said, which oftentimes is said, and I understand the the, the, the interpreted meaning behind it. I, I tend to put the word possible in the same category as hope. I I still like to say beyond possible. When people say sky's the limit, no, beyond sky's mm-hmm. the limit. Because when you start to preface things where there's no cap or there's no expiry date or there's no ceiling, then you can, that's, you, you, you're just going over, you're crossing into another dimension when you look at things from a very limitless perspective. Oh, I love that. And, you know, that's exactly what the horses tend to show people. I, I've had people come and believe they, you know, have this idea of what they might get out of that type of experience. But mm-hmm. you're right, it has this cap, it has a bit of a limit. And as soon as you walk into an arena with eight horses that are not tethered to anything, and you are standing among a herd, right in the middle of a herd of horses, you have to let go of any expectation pretty darn quickly and find yeah. yourself, you know, right there in that moment. And um, and, and it blows the cap off of any preconceived uh, idea. Absolutely. Love it. Well, Laura, being cognizant of time, these interviews always go way too quickly for my liking. And that's not to say you're not welcome to come back here anytime, because for somebody who's as committed to growth as what you are, you're always going to have something in the tank that's new to talk about and share with the rest of the world. So I just want to say it's been an absolute honor and pleasure. And before we close out here, I'd like to give you the opportunity. Where can people connect with you? What is your website URL? Uh, what, where, what platform specifically do you feel that you are most engaged with if people want to reach out to you uh, for a consult or to bring you into their company or to bring you into their marriage or to bring you into their whatever issue that brings them to you in the first place where they're looking for solutions? Thank you, Lisa. So um, my website is yourlatitude.com. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very active on LinkedIn, and that's just uh, under my name, Laura Cole. Mm-hmm. And I also have a new Instagram page that I'm having a lot of fun on. I'm finding that's a very different um, different platform than LinkedIn, mm-hmm. and that's at Discover Your Latitude. Beautiful. And Cole is spelt with a C, not a K. It is C-O-L-E. Absolutely. Well, Laura, I just want to say for everything you continuously do in the space of paying it forward, being of service, just being a a terrific human being, humanitarian, uh, it's an honor to know you. And it's been certainly a pleasure to have the opportunity to invite you to speak to my global listening audience and eventually uh, the podcast subscribers once this calibrates and, and is uploaded. So I just want to say keep doing what you're doing. The world is starving for people like you. Uh, And I'm looking forward to personally seeing you again soon. I think you're phenomenal. Love your energy. Lisa, thank you so much. I was, it was wonderful to be here and I do look forward to having coffee with you again very soon. Absolutely. And to the listening audience, I just want to say thank you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedules for tuning into myself and Laura Cole here on this lovely Friday morning. I'm very clear on my purpose. My purpose, as you know, is to uplift you to fear less and to live more. Until next Friday, I wish you all my best. Have a safe and phenomenal weekend. Take care, love and gratitude. All my best. Bye-bye, Laura. Bye-bye. Hey, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio thanking you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedules to tune in to another fantastic weekly episode of Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Another shout out of wholehearted gratitude to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald's corporate sponsors, Helton Honda, Forever, and Aha That. Your reviews, clicks, shares, downloads, feedback, and testimonials are always appreciated. Lisa's purpose and mission is to uplift you to fearless and to live more. To appear as a prospective guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald or to connect with Lisa regarding her suite of products and services, you can reach Lisa at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. And until this podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.